You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. To start digging into what I was talking about today and start digging into those scriptures and getting a little bit more background about everything that was happening there. Okay? Is that a deal? Okay. So when we first moved to Florida, we lived in a little place called Land Lakes, and it was about an hour away from the beach. So what most people don't realize is when you live in Florida, it's not a continual vacation. It's actually pretty miserable. Um, so you have to be very intentional <laughs> about going somewhere to get away on a vacation. So we booked a hotel on the beach. And we're just saying, you know, we're just going to take a couple days to get away. So we spend more money than we probably should have to be at this nice place. And we get into a room where we're so excited and we open the blinds, parking lot. (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding me? We're at a beach resort and my view is the parking lot. And, And what we found over the next 10 years while we were there is what they called delete luck. And it was just if you didn't have bad luck, there wouldn't be any luck at all. That was just kind of our world. That was the joke. And every time that we went to a, a, a hotel or motel, even to this day, we open the blinds, hey, parking lot. That's great. Exactly what we wanted to see. And so I don't know how many times we feel like in our lives, that's just kind of the way things play out. We have these expectations. We have this vision of how things should go. And we open the blinds, and it's a parking lot. You know, I would say for some of us, it goes even farther to the point where we are, okay, we got the parking lot, but we still have the beach. So we go down, and we start heading towards, you know, the, the beach, and somebody stops us and goes, okay, can I see your room key? Yeah, well, this is a room key. goes, okay, well, just come with me. And they divert you around, the building to the parking lot, and they said, this is your spot, and there's a blow-up kiddie pool. Said, here you go. This, this, is, this is yours. This is what your room gets you here. Has anybody ever felt like that? Am I the only person <laughs> that felt that's kind of the hand that life has dealt you from time to time? You know, and I think so many times there's a lot of things at play that cause that. But there's one character in the Bible, there's one person in the Bible that seemed to have figured this out, and his name was Caleb. So a story with Caleb, and what I want to do is kind of run through a whole bunch of information, is with the story of Caleb, we have to back ourselves up. Let's go this way back ourselves up to the point where Moses was having a conversation with God of the burning bush. And at that point in time, we realized that the people of Israel, the people, God's people were enslaved. And he's like, okay, I've heard their cries. I understand how painful this is for them. So I promise with my hands raised, I am going to free my people. This is what the conversation was at that point with Moses. Because we realized at that point, Can you read this? Do I need to do this in black? All right, let's do this in black. Tried to get all fun and fancy and didn't work. 
So this is slavery. So we have slavery. This is where they are. They're currently in Egypt in slavery. And God says, you know what? Here's my promise to my people. I'm going to let them go. I'm going to bring them. And not only am I going to free them, I'm promising them a land that is going to blow their mind. It's not just going to be parking lot. It's not just going to be ocean view, but it is going to be the most spectacular place they could ever dream in their life. To land flowing with milk and honey, of freedom, the closest thing that they're going to find to true richness in paradise. And so Moses goes back and we see how this all evolves. We see that, that Moses takes the people that there's a bunch of plagues that happen, they're freed, and they start this journey. Can you guys see this over here? Okay. See, aren't you glad I asked that question? <laughs> Carrie, thanks for the honest feedback. <laughs> can you see it now? Okay. And uh, I'll get out of the way so you guys can see it too. So they start this journey and they get over to the spot where is the promised land. There's the, you know, there's the river that's in between them. And then they, they send how many spies, 12 spies across you know, the different tribes to go out and check the promised land. And there's this report that comes back. And we know the story. We know the story out of this report. They're basically saying, okay, you know what? This is what God said. We've got the fruit right here. This is a land flowing of milk and honey. This is absolutely amazing. And yes, there are some battles that are going to be happening. We can see that. But here's something, a small detail that God left out. There are giants in this land. You know, he told Moses about the land he told Moses about these different tribes and people that are going to live there, but he said nothing about these giants. These Anakites, mm -mm. it was not part of the story. Not happening. So we are people that left slavery, and these cities are fortified, and these people are giants. If you remember Goliath, he's part of that race of people said, there's no way, absolutely no way we're going to be able to penetrate those walls, win this war, be able to take these people on and take that land. It's not happening. So 10 of the people that went, of the tribes, said, yep, this is reality. And here are the giants. It's not going to happen. So then you have Caleb and Joshua. And they come out, and it's not like they said, uh-uh, there's no giants there. They came out and said, yep. This is a land of milk and honey. And there's going to be battles. And yep, there are giants there. Let's go take that land. And I think right there is the defining factor in how we see our lives play out. Because immediately when we hit circumstances that we have to make decisions on, we have to choose what direction we're going to go. Are we going to go forward or are we going to go backwards? And so we see that 10 of the 12 said, nope. So guess what happened? 
What did they do for the next 40 years? Wandered. Can you imagine for a second what Caleb was thinking? He's like, wait, wait, wait. I wanted to go. I had faith. I knew the promise that God told Moses and Moses told us, and so I believe I was ready to go. Let's go. But in that point in time, God was about unity. And he's like, you know what? The decision of the majority was made. The nation of Israel has spoken. So sorry, Caleb, you get to wander. He's like, but this was not my decision. Sorry, this is gonna be your reality. And so even though he had the faith, even though he believed that this was, was what God said and that promise, and he was ready to live into that by choices not of his own, that plan was diverted. I mean, it's a good thing I wasn't Caleb at that point because I probably would have taken matters in my own hand. I would have figured out how to get rid of these guys. But this is another part of that story. He just, he had to wander for 40 years. That promise that God had given him was delayed. And it's, this is where we have to start thinking, okay, what happens at this point is we're in this wandering point where we're not seeing really what our reality is going to be. We have to start making some decisions in the wander. And I don't know how many times in your lives, I know it's happened a whole lot in mine, where you're just kind of in that space where you're like, I don't see this promise. I know that this is the promise. I know this is what God says, but it's not coming to fruition. And so Caleb had to make a decision in that point. So if we move forward in the storyline, we see that there comes a point where basically God says, okay, this is it. Those 10 of you that made this bad decision, whoosh, taking care of you. Plague came, boom, those 10 died. Caleb's like, whew, glad I wasn't one of them. <laughs> glad I made this choice. <laughs> but he also said, listen, everybody that was here, you're all never gonna see that beachfront property. You're only gonna see the parking lot. Yes, did I promise this? Did I promise that this is going to be reality? Yes, but because of your disobedience, my promise still holds true, but only for Caleb and Joshua. These are going to be the two that are going to bring my promise into fruition. Now, I don't know about you, but obviously I'm such a massive guy that when we played football and you know, middle school and such, I was always the first one picked. <laughs> you ever been that where it's like, okay, you get to choose you and then you get to choose you and then you get to choose you and then it comes around and, and I'm just hanging out with a guy that's picking his nose and on the ground. I'm like, okay, this is how it's gonna be. 
But this is the opposite of that. This is basically saying the rest of you are out, but Caleb, you're in. And what brought you in? It was that you believed in my promise and me wholeheartedly and was willing to live that out. So we see there comes a point where finally Moses dies and Joshua is given the reins and they come back to this point to where they're hitting that river again and going over into the promised land. And see, most of the time when we get to this point, we we can see that promised land. We just, for whatever reason, at least maybe this is just me, I, I default to, oh yeah, they just crossed the river and then they went and God just made every, all the dominoes fall and they had their life. But that's not reality. Because what we don't realize is, is as soon as they hit and they went out of slavery, there became battles in the wilderness. And when we get into battles in the wilderness, what do the people start doing? Let's go back to slavery because at least it's safe there. We get fed there. They're out here. They're not getting, where's the food? What's going on? Let's go back to slavery because that's safe there. There's food there. And so they wandered, and right as they started to make their way back and head towards that river, right in about this space, the battles intensified. Because it was no longer just passing through land. This is where God says, okay, there are these tribes you have to take out. So all of a sudden, they are having to engage in a battle. And those battles intensify as they get closer and closer to the promised land. And how many times in our world do we think, man, I'm in the middle of this battle, and it sure would be easier just to wave the white flag and just go back. When God is saying, the promise is here, I need you to engage the battle because I have given you this battle, I have given you this war, I have given you this promise. You have to fight through this, though, and have the confidence and wholeheartedly believe in what I have told you and who you are and who I am to get through this. And so by the time they get to this spot. Caleb is 80 years old. He was 40 when they scouted the land, spent 40 years wandering around, hit to where he could once again see that promised land, and he's 80 years old. So, they just walk in, right? No, no. There are five more years of battle all the time. Kingdom after kingdom, tribe after tribe, they take them down. They are constantly in battle to go towards where God has told them they are to be and to clear the land that God has already given them. 
And see, I think that's the, the problem that we have today is we think that if God is going to give us a promise, he's just going to clear the way. That he's already taken the trees down. He's already done the battles. He's already dealing with that. But what we don't realize is most of the time we are in a war against a very real enemy that does not want God's plans to come to fruition. And so he will battle in your lives in whatever way it may be. He knows your weaknesses better than you do. And he will put a battle and a war in your life. So they had to fight for five more years to get the promised land cleared out. And then there's a really great part in scripture that I want to read you guys. And if you have your Bibles, go to Joshua 14. And we're going to go to verse 7. And he's having a conversation with Joshua because at this point, Joshua is laying out the lands. He's given the lands out to the different tribes. And so finally, it's Caleb's turn. And he's like, you know, Joshua, you know what God told me. You know what God told us. You know exactly what's happening here. And I think that in part of this, there's, there's the opportunity that Joshua would give Caleb one of the lands that's already settled and has peace. I mean, if he wanted that, he could have probably settled for that. But there's a really interesting conversation that happens here. And it says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to the land to explore. I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord wholeheartedly. I follow, now listen, I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land in which your feet have walked with your inheritance and that your children forever will have this because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised. He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to Moses, while Israel moved about the desert. So here I stand today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. See, there was all this land in peace that he could have chosen, but there was one land remaining, the land of the giants. And Caleb knew that he knew that he knew this was the land that God promised. I could settle or I could go to battle again, the biggest, nastiest, bravest battle of my life and take the land that God truly promised for me. 
Nobody else seemed to want it. Everybody else took their land in the peace. But Caleb's like, ha uh-uh. ha. Not for me and my tribe. We, as a tribe, are going to take that land. And so it's interesting because, you know, he could have said, well, you know, Joshua could have gone, well, Caleb, are you sure you really want to do that? You know, because there's, there's other space here. We can just kind of leave them alone because there's still, what we don't realize is there's still other lands of giants, just not in this vicinity. But this one, this is the one that God promised. So, in 13, then Joshua blesses Caleb and gives him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb ever since because he followed the Lord, his God, what? Wholeheartedly. And then the land had rest from war. So there's the story in a nutshell. But there are three choices that Caleb had to make that really turned the tide of this. And again, if you don't write anything else, whoa, there's this. You cannot probably read that because my writing is horrible. Write down wholeheartedly. There was no halfway on this. There was no, eh, I don't know. There was no, oh, things are getting tough. So let's just kind of wander off. There are three choices he made. Number one, he chose to have faith. He chose to have faith in the promise. Even though God did not tell Caleb specifically, God told Moses, which told them, he had such trust in the character of who Moses was and where they were going and what God was instilling in them that he knew that he knew that he knew and would not waver from the promise of that land for his people, for his tribe, I mean, how many times do we, yeah, yeah, we, can, we, we believe that. Yeah, we, we see that's in scripture. We see those promises there. We see, you know, we really feel that conviction on those things. And then we're like, well, you know, did God really say that? Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Let's go back to Genesis. Is that really what God said? Okay, well, is that really for us? I mean, see, obviously this storyline isn't that we're going to go have some big palace and some land someday, but the principle of the promise lies throughout the generations for his people, which is us today. But in a very literal sense, Caleb had to make a decision, is this really true? Is this what I'm going to put my stake in the sand and I'm going to drive it down and I'm going to believe this with all of my heart? 
And I think that's today where we get tripped up. As many times as we start going, is that really truth? Or is that truth for somebody else? Or, you know, really, we start wavering on these things, which sends us kind of spinning out into the wilderness. But more so than understanding faith, and it's really digging into the word and knowing what the promises are and having that communion with God, it's actually this. Faithfulness. Because we have to believe the promise is true. But then it's living out that belief. And it's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I believe in that promise. I believe it's to be true. I believe this is for me. But then when things get a little haywire in our worlds, what tends to happen? Uh, or we start facing battles in our life. Or we have people coming against us. Or the enemy is on the rampage. Or whatever it is that binds us up, rears its ugly head. Or decisions are made by us or someone else that sends us into the wilderness. And more times than not, on this journey in the wilderness, we drop and we settle and we just stay there. It's not that necessarily that we go back to slavery. It's not that we go back into that bondage that God has released us from. But it's the fact that somewhere between the slavery and the promised land, the promises God has for us, it just became too hard. And we just settle. This is just life. Just is the way it is. You know, do we, do we believe God can do something? Yes. Do we believe God will do it? And that's where we get stuck in the wilderness. We just settle. And I think with all of my heart, having you know, spent time not just here, but in other countries, the differentiation between the church is where they choose to settle. The reason I believe that we see the Western church not living up to the power that the church should is because somewhere in the process of it, we have just settled for good enough instead of the best. And the third thing is we got to be ready to fight. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Sometimes it just seems like your whole life's a battle. You're like, can I just call time out? <laughs> time out, please. Just give me a moment. Because I'm just tired. It's like, you just get up and you get knocked down again. Like, oh, come on. But I unfortunately think that many times we are in fights that we don't belong in. 
now, now hear this. We are a broken people that is saved by the grace and the power of Christ and Christ alone. But many times it's a process for our hearts to come under the authority and submission of the Holy Spirit. And so there's many things that trigger in our hearts that cause chaos in our world. And so then we go out and we start picking fights where we don't belong picking fights. You know, I spent 17 years in ministry and I spent the last two reeling to trying to pick up the pieces of my faith and figure this out. And I was just, I was picking fights where they didn't belong to be. Until finally God got a hold of me and said, stop it. You are causing chaos in the world around you because you're picking, picking fights that you don't belong in. Because you're not following me wholeheartedly. You don't know what fights you're supposed to be in because you're not listening. You are not being allowing yourself to be refined. There are things in your life that you've picked up that you're not willing to lay down. You have allowed a parts of your life to go back to slavery and the rest of you wandering around the wilderness and you're going picking with fights. Like what we saw, you saw that, that as soon as those, those 10 were wiped out, God took them out with a plague, what did the tribes do? The promised land is ours now, let's go and take it. And Moses is going, no, no, no. You're not supposed to do that. He told you, you've got to wander. You do not get to go there. So what do they do? They go pick that fight anyway. What happens? They get their rears handed to them because they weren't supposed to be in that fight. There's definitively things in this world that we are called to, the promises of God. Number one, we have to know what they are. And in order to know that, we have to be in the word to know where our battles are. And then there are things that are individual to you because each one of us is unique. And the only way we're going to know where those lie is following our Lord wholeheartedly. That means that there's pieces of our life that we got to give up. There are strongholds in our lives we got to let them into. There are habits, there are mindsets, there are addictions, there are things in our life that have got to go. And we will not win those wars on our own. It's got to be by his power. So when we dig in and wholeheartedly go after the things of God, our faith has to be rock solid. And when we get out into that wilderness and we're trying to make our way through and things don't seem right and we keep having to wander because of maybe just some decisions we've made or decisions others have made which have affected us, we have to continue to hold on to that promise and be faithful to live through that. It's that old adage. He doesn't take the storms away, but it allows us the way through. And then when he calls us to fight, 
then we know where our battles are. We know the promise that stands before us. We know the life that God has called us to. We have been refined. We have been indwelled with the Holy Spirit. We have been into the word. And we know with all of our heart that God has that land for us. And we are going to take that land. No matter what, the battle, no matter what, the giant, no matter what stands before us, that it's ours because God has said so. So I don't know what giants are in your life. I don't know what battles you're in. I know that we have to rewind back to here, back into here, engaging the Holy Spirit, finding that peace, finding that grounding, knowing the word, knowing the promise, because trust me, I, I tried running from God. I tried running from God. I tried to shut the light out. But the thing I know about the Holy Spirit is he's relentless. He is relentless. And as we continue to learn that surrender and dig into that word, then we don't have chaos in our hearts we have peace in our hearts and clarity that allows us to see where it is God is calling us to. Even if we only see one step forward, we don't see the end result. We can step and maybe, a, here we go. The truth is that I, and I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but if we're in between pure exhilaration and pure fear, we know we're right in the center where God wants us. Faith, faithfulness, fight. Make sure you get the order right. Can I say that again? Faith, faithfulness, fight. Make sure you get the order right. Because <laughs> God has something big for you. Huge, huge. And it may not be worldly, it may be kingdomly. But when we right size what's really important, then we understand the peace and the joy that only God can give. So may we be a people that surrenders daily allows the forgiveness of Jesus to saturate us, the Holy Spirit to move through us, to dig into the word and know the truth and the promises, to stand strong on those, to live those out, to see the battles that God has called us to, to take the land he's called us to, and to live a victorious life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the fact that you were good. Lord, that you're here. And Lord, it may seem as though sometimes with some of us in this room, our worlds are in a bit of chaos. Lord, we just don't know what the future holds. But in, in those times of, of just the unknown, Father, we have to step back and just trust and rest in you to dig into your word, to find that peace, Lord, that only you can give. 
to know that we're called, if nothing else, to be into this world, to live out your will in our lives, to be able to bring this hurting world back into communion with you, to be able to see every single day the adventures that are there of loving this broken world. So Lord, may we stand strong on your word, on your promise. Lord, when we step out into that wilderness and are wandering around, Lord, may we have that faithfulness of every single day, Lord, going, I don't know what this day has, but I know you have it. And I trust in you. So allow your will to be done in my life and we step out. And when we see those battles, we can trust the fact that you've put them there, that we win those battles. And Lord, we can take the land you've called us to as an individual, as a family, and as a church. Lord, may we take this land and may you be glorified in all of this. In the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.